I'm excited about this sermon series. I think it will be life-changing. I think uh, some of you may come with a notion that you kind of know or you get it. I want you to have just an open mind, open heart. So whether you've been a believer all your life or you're just seeking God, you're searching like, hey, what, is God real? Is, what is God for me? All these things. Jesus showed up at the scene uh, in his day around his 30th birthday, and he he... He had to convince people. He's still convincing people today, right? And so I want you to just to be open-minded and open heart. But I, I, I talk. I love. So I, I've become an, an infectious reader. And over uh, on the plane ride to Utah, I read a book. And on the plane ride back from Utah, I, I read a book. And those are my 39th and 40th books of the year. I had a goal of reading four books a month, and so I'm a little ahead of schedule. Uh, on that. Two of the books I've read are the Bible cover to cover, and I'm halfway through my third time. Well, the only reason I say that is the start of the year, I asked the Lord to let me see the Bible different. Let me, let me, see, let me see your word different. That sounds weird coming from a, a preacher, but I, Lord, let me see it different. And he, the, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, look at, look at what Jesus did and look at what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what Jesus said. And just concentrate on those things. So although I love, you know, King David and I love Apostle Paul and I love, I just, man, I want to get engulfed in Jesus. Amen. And so in that, then I, I started searching different places in the scriptures about what Jesus did. And in the book of John, uh, John talks about seven signs or seven miracles. And the word sign is simia here. It means miracles. It means work. It means, it means signs. And that all kind of means the same thing. So it's not a sign like if it were a directional sign. Go down the street at that sign and turn right, or a, a logos, and we look, talk about the word logos, meaning logos arema, go to, you know, McDonald's and turn turn left. This is a sign as if it were our, uh, authentic or uh, our authoritative, okay? So it's a it's like a, a signature. Our, our youngest son, Andrew, at the start of the, the COVID, uh, he came up to me and said, hey, I'd like to start painting. We have a, a number of painters in, in my family, and some of them are like, like off the charts good. They're award-winning painters and artists and wood carvers, and they're just amazing. They just amaze me with their, with their talent and, and just so, so good. And so Andrew wanted to start painting, and Janie's side of the family is very musical. It's like, man, they, they play everything from the bass to the accordion to the organ to the drums to the keyboard. They lead worship in churches all across the Midwest, and of course, her and, and Andrew and Emily lead worship here. And, and I think they're some of the best worship leaders around. And so Andrew kind of gets the musical side. And then my side of the family is very artistic and, and just very creative and, and so sound. And, and so I said, well, let's call Uncle Tommy. Tommy's my brother, and he's a, just a phenomenal artist, as most of my brothers are. And uh, I said, let's, let's see what he, he used to teach art school at the Kansas City Art Institute. Let's see what he has to say. So Tommy gave Andrew some really good instructions. So Andrew started painting during the, the COVID. He wanted to make good use of some of the time that he had. And he's a runner and just all these really cool things. And we're so proud of all four of our kids. We love all of our kids. And uh, so he would send, uh, Tommy asked, 
would, uh, has Andrew been painting? Yeah, he's working up uh, some stuff to, to send you so that he could, he could critique it. And so uh, Andrew sent me and Janie some different pieces of work, and he sent Janie a piece of work, and, and uh, I didn't see it until Janie showed it to me. He said, that's really cool. Oh, you got to see this new piece Andrew did. He's really, really cool. And so uh, we purchased the piece of work, and here it is on the, on the screen. And so it's, it's even better in person, but it's hanging in our house right when you come in the front door. It's like that's the first thing that you, that you see, okay? Well, um, he hadn't signed the work, and so Janie wasn't going to put it on Instagram or anything until he actually signed it because to an artist, when you sign the work, that authenticates it, okay? That authorizes you to, to hang the piece. And so then he came over one day and he signed it. Well, I say all that to say this. You are God's work. He has signed you. He has signatured you. He has authorized you to do a work for him. Now, that's important because if we don't grasp that, then we feel like maybe our life is meaningless or we have no purpose. But when we say, man, I am, I am the part of God's artistry. I mean, like, this is who God made. This is why, how God made me. And now I am part of what God's plan is for me. I become his signature piece. And you are God's signature piece today. You need to grab that. You need to get a hold of that because otherwise you'll miss the whole rest of the message, okay? God has signed you. You are part of God's authenticity. And so Jesus does these signs in John. And now John says in verse, chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, this is important. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. Verse 31 says, but these are written so that you you may believe, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now grab that. That's important. That's like that's solid stuff right there, right? And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So why did he do these signs? In fact, I like the King James. John says, I suppose that if all of what Jesus did, all the signs are written down in the volumes of the book, the world could not contain. So Jesus did so many signs, so many miracles, so many wonders, so that we would believe, so that we would understand because he, sig he signs us as his work, he wants us to be authenticated in him, that he did signs to authenticate himself. And so many signs that he did, did John say that John only pulls out seven of them. So there must be something really important with these seven signs that John pulls out. So we're going to investigate them over the next seven weeks, okay? And we're going to take away some things about these signs that maybe y'all have heard or read before, but we're going to take it in a different way because Jesus is not only trying to authenticate himself through the signs, he wants to authenticate you as well. See, the trick of the enemy is for you to think that you're not worth anything. The trick of the enemy is for you to say, well, my piece of art here, it doesn't amount to much. No, if God's the artist and he drew you, you are something. You are special. You are worth something. You are valuable. In fact, you are so valuable that you have the only DNA that you would have. And when you get to heaven, Revelation 2.17 says, you're going to have a brand new name that nobody else ever had. You have a new name written down in glory. We used to sing that song, and it's mine, it's mine. But you have a name that nobody else, you are a piece of art to God 
who he holds with great treasure. I look at this piece of, that piece of artwork every day. I look at it every, I come down and I think, man, that's just amazing. That's, that's just beautiful. Drew, good job. I'm so proud of you. I really am. Just amazing. Now, maybe it's not as special to other people, but it's special to me. All right? And God says, you are so special to him that he sent his only begotten son to die on a cross for you. So Jesus shows up in the scene, and he's got he's to make, he's going to do some signs, okay? So we're going we're gonna to go to John's gospel, the second chapter. We're going to read verses 1 through 11, and I, I will read them fairly quickly, but they'll keep up with me. And you can just kind of follow. You know the story. It's the marriage of Canaan of Galilee, and it's Jesus turning water into wine. And yes, we will we'll talk about wine a little bit today as well. <laughs> On the third day, there was a wedding at Canaan in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with the disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with waters, and they filled them with the, to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some of out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, although the servants who had drawn the water out knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every serv- everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs. I'll say it again. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Father God, that you care for us. We're your artistry. We're your paintings. We're, we're, you have signed us. You have authenticated us, Lord, and we love you. We thank you for that. Now, bless the hearer today. Bless your, oh Lord, your word into our hearts. Father, Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. So the simia, signs. This is the first of his simia, signs, works, miracles that he did. This is the first thing he did that authenticates himself, that authorizes. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now I give it unto you when he was getting ready to exit this earth in the ascension. So we have been given this authority. We have the authority to hold that painting in our house. We have the authority to hold God's word in our heart. We have the authority to walk under the the steps of the Almighty. He orders our steps, the psalmist said. He orders my steps. Isaiah said, he is my rear guard. Uh, the psalmist said again in Psalms 5 that he builds a, a shield of favor around about me. Job, Satan said, you have a hedge of protection around about me. So when something gives, someone gives me something of a prized possession, I protect it. I order my life to it. I, I, I walk accordingly. So if I order my, my possessions that way, don't you know that God orders his possessions, you, his artistry that same way? He protects you. He loves you. He cares for you. He honors you. He lifts you up. He throws favor and promises your way. This is the God that we serve. And so we, we see this story, and we've heard dozens and dozens of messages on this. I want to come with just a little bit of a different slant, because I want you to understand what Jesus is trying to do here. First of all, he calls Mary woman. And I, in, in, 
in today's English, in, in our culture, had I ever called my mother woman, my father would have made sure that was the last time. Hey, woman, where's dinner at? <laughs> I tried it with Janie a couple times. doesn't fly there either. Woman. She won't answer. Woman. <laughs> no, it's not going to it's not, I can call her many things. Woman's not one of them. But in the culture of the day, the English language doesn't do it justice. Jesus is actually paying Mary a compliment. And Jesus only uses the term woman twice in all of Scripture. One, when he starts his ministry. Here, woman, what does it have to do with me? And two, at the end of his ministry when he's on the cross. And he hands John off to, he says, woman, my son John, John, my mother. So he calls her woman twice, but in both times, it's an extreme compliment. And it's important for you to know that because at first it seems like in our language that maybe it's a little bit insulting. What are you doing, woman? I'm not ready yet. It's not my time. But Jesus turns it around and starts to make it very, very appealing. And I, I'd written this down. Jesus turned his mother's attention into his mission. So Mary is looking at the power of Jesus, which we all should look at, but I want to take it a little bit different because now Jesus makes his mission, it becomes very personal. And we, we have to make sure that in, in Christ, we understand the personalized mission of Christ. In fact, that's my first point. Jesus' mission becomes personal. And see, we have to understand the person of who Christ is. A lot of times, in fact, even in church, we start to look at the power of God. We want revival. We want healing. We want miracles. We want salvation. We want all these things that God has to offer through Christ, but we don't always want the person of Jesus. Well, it's a little boring. It's just, you know, it's not, it's not a lot of flash. It's not a lot of pomp and circumstance. It's not a lot of, it's just, it's just Jesus. No, Jesus is everything, church. Jesus is the whole ball of wax. Jesus is everything. When we can make Jesus personal, in fact, Mark 16 says, and these signs, Simeon, will follow those that believe. Then you'll have miracles. Then you'll have healing. Then you'll have revival. Then you'll touch those things. Then you'll speak in those ways if you'll follow Jesus first. In fact, when you make Jesus personal, he authenticates you because you're his artistry. In fact, Jesus' name is so powerful, apparently some people can use it, and they're not even saved. Why do I know that? Because Jesus says some will get to the other side and stand in front of him on that day of judgment and say, I cast out devils in your name. I healed the sick in your name. I raised the dead in your name. I preached in your name. And he'll say, depart from me because I never knew you. You weren't a piece of my work. You weren't a piece of my artistry. See, we have, to, we have to seek after Jesus as a person versus Jesus as power. Because when we, when we start to look for things that, that, we, that Jesus can do for us, we neglect, we neglect the idea that he already did something for us. He, he, he died for us. He, he lived for us so that he could die, so that we could be that artistry that he has for us. So when we accept Christ as the person, now we have an intimacy with him. And this is what he says when he said, depart from me because I never knew you. I, I didn't know who you were. That was a piece of artwork that went unsigned. 
It was a piece of artwork that wasn't authenticated. It was a piece of artwork that I had no authority over. I wanted to sign you. I wanted to authenticate you. I wanted to put my, my name on you, but, but you wouldn't let me. You, you looked at the power. You needed to be persuaded. You needed signs. In fact, he tells the scribes and Pharisees later on in the same book, oh, you hypocrites, you're looking for signs when I stand right in front of you. See, Jesus is right here. And all through his being, all through man's existence, We've had to challenge the existence of God. Does God exist? And by the way, the existence of God is never challenged in scriptures. You either kind of believe it or you don't. But, but Jesus shows up. Scribes and Pharisees are there. The Sadducees, the, the, the Jews, the Sanhedrin, the Roman soldiers. Jesus comes walking in town. And Mary says, okay, it's time. And Jesus takes a personal, missional approach to his own mother and says, woman, you don't know what you've just asked because once this clock starts, once I do this miracle, you are going to go through an emotional roller coaster. And there's probably, in my opinion, nobody in all of Scripture that had more of an emotional roller coaster that she or he didn't ask for than Mary. She birthed the Savior. She gets impregnated by the Holy Spirit in God. She has to explain that to her fiancé, who wants to hide her away privately and then divorce her, because that's what engagement was at the time, an act of marriage, but not fulfilled yet. And then the angel appears to Joseph, and so then Joseph says, okay, wait a second, so let's go away, has a baby, takes him to the temple at 12 so that he can be ordained as a son of Joseph. The, the temple priests say, no, you can't, okay? So then God says later on at baptism, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Now she's going to be in three years and a half years, she's going to be kneeling at the cross of her own son being crucified. There's nobody in Scripture that has gone through that type of emotional pain. And moms can bear with me. You see a son or daughter that just gets a cut or a broken arm, all right? Or something even worse happened, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, and I can tell you for a fact, my wife would have never have let Jesus die on the cross. That's why she wasn't picked. She'd have been up there taking him off. And many of you would have. So Mary goes through this emotional torture, and Jesus knows it. But he's saying, wait a second, for, for, for me to do that, we're, we're going to start something here that's not going to end really pretty until I go to the cross. But I, I have to do that, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. And because I do that, Mary, now that it, becomes very, it becomes very personal. Jesus goes from son to savior in one moment, in one twinkling of an eye, just in one statement. And Mary says this, we have it in verse number, verse number 5. It's the coolest thing. Do whatever he tells you. If you want to make Jesus personal in your life, do whatever he tells you. If you want to follow Christ and be successful as a, as a believer, do whatever he tells you. If you're wondering what should I do, just do whatever he tells you. It's, a, it's the simplest thing Mary could have said. And by the way, Mary must have had some kind of clout at the wedding. Wedding feasts were a week long. Seven days of partying. Seven days of celebration. Seven days of, man, this is amazing. This is, this is so much fun. 
halfway through, two-thirds of the way through, they run out of wine. Pastor, don't talk about wine in church. We're a Christian fellowship. The Bible talks about wine. I'm going to talk about wine. Oh, I got a good group today. Praise God. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> Y'all <are> so good. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Listen, Jesus wants to think, make things personal with you. And the way we make things personal with him is by doing what he says. Why not take it by faith? That's salvation. By grace we're saved through faith. And not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So we take this thing by faith and say, okay, Lord, I, I just I need to be what you want me to be. And this is what Jesus is telling Mary. It's okay, Mary. Hang on a second. Woman, mother, Mary, you are coming. Now I'm, I'm, I'm your son right now. But after this, I'm going to become your Savior. And right now you may look at Jesus in a different way. He might be a person. He might be a prophet. He might be a good guy. He might be a good man. He might be a, uh, he might be a myth. He might be a legend. But with one verse in your heart, he can, he can become Savior. That's how easy it is for salvation. Just one word, boom. Father, would you save me in Jesus' name? Just right there. It's, it's incredible. All of a sudden then Jesus signs your artwork like you're his. Boom. Just like Jesus, just like Drew's painting, boom, Janie wouldn't send it out there. We have, and we have, uh, we have brilliant artists in this church. Derek's, Derek's one, Derek just raved, Derek's a brilliant art. We have, uh, his work is hanging all over town. God's work is hanging all over earth. Now think about that. You are God's work. So the first thing, we need to make Jesus personal and we need to do what he says. The second thing, all right, his mission becomes about change. So he, he, tells, he tells these guys, uh, the, he, Mary tells the servants, do whatever he says. And Jesus says, take those six empty pots there and fill them up with water, about 20 or 30 gallons apiece, uh, somewhere around 180 gallons of water. A gallon of water weighs eight pounds, so somewhere around 1,200 pounds of water. I mean, a lot of water. These guys, like, we just go to the faucet and turn. We're not talking about spigots. We're talking about they had to go to the well, they had to pump the well, they had to fill the water. I mean, this is, this is laborious, okay? This takes some time. And Jesus is kind of sitting back and and, and as I said, the first service, he didn't bless it. He didn't speak to it. He didn't thank it. He says one thing. He says, draw the water out. In fact, let's go to that verse. Verse number eight on that one. Now draw the water out. Now draw some out and take it to the master. He changed water into wine. He went from ordinary, uh, whether you drink wine or not. I have a hard time just drinking water. Like, my water's got to be flavored. So he says, you want anything from the store? Give me some flavored water. I just, I don't know what it is. I, just, it's gotta, I have to have a flavor in it, okay? Water, and water is life-giving. In fact, Jesus said in, in John 7, 37, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, there's a connotation there, and I'm going to talk about it. But he changes water into wine. I mean, he, he takes ordinary stuff into extraordinary. He doesn't do anything. There's not magical or anything. In fact, some people will say, well, yeah, but, but it was unfermented. I don't think so. I don't think so because I think that diminishes the miracle. 
And you'll see as we read more. Now, listen, I'm not encouraging drinking. If you have a glass of wine, drink responsibly. Are you with me? Man, see, the amens went way down. And it's like, now if I amen, they're going to know I drink or, not, or something. So I'm, I'm going I'm to amen quietly. Because I don't want pastor to know I have a beer when I go home at night. I don't mind calling you out. I'm from the north. I can do that. In the south, yeah, that's good. Good job, brother. Yeah, and then they go. So I'm saying Solomon said, Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. And Paul said, have a little wine for your stomach's sake. And Paul also said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And Paul also said, don't be a stumbling block. And, 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 and Solomon said, woe unto them that offer strong drink. So I'm not saying that you should drink or that you shouldn't drink. I'm saying whatever you should do, do it in moderation and do it responsibly. And don't do it so that you bring harm to somebody else. Does that, are we good with that? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm saying that we should stop picking on individual people or individual sins when we're not checking our own heart first. If we check our own heart first, then we're in good shape. It's real easy for me to point out somebody else's flaws. Right? But there might be a plank sticking on my own eye. So Jesus, in my opinion, actually turns water into wine. Like it's, it's really wine. But the, 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 the beautiful thing here is the change takes place inside the vessels. The change takes place inside the, the vases. So what I'm saying is the change that needs to take place in you is already in you. You just need to let God pull it out of you. Would you let the Lord pull it out of you? See, the change was already there. We've allowed the world to change us. We've allowed offenses and bitterness and hurts and abuses and past life and all these things. They wear on us to where we forget who we were meant to be. We forget the art picture that we were. God created us in his image. Imagio Dei, I and you, we are the image of Almighty God. Now, when we're the image of God and we make it personal, Jesus signs off on that artwork. And if we're bold enough to say, Lord, would you change me from the inside out? I don't want to change for man. I don't want to change because it's a fad. I don't want to change because it even seems like the right thing to do. Lord, whatever change you have for me, Lord, would you bring it out of me? Would you bring it out of me? And, and when Jesus brings that change out, he just takes you from water to wine. He takes you from ordinary to extraordinary. He takes you from what everybody thought. Well, I just thought that was so-and-so. I just thought that, well, I thought they would never change. I thought they would not. Thought, uh, you know, see, first of all, God loves you just the way you are. God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change for anybody. In Grace Church, you don't have to change for anybody. Only thing we ask is, if God challenges you to change, then change. God challenges you to give us up something, give up something. God, God convicts you to do something or not do something, then you walk through that conviction. 
That's the starting place. That's the change. Mary said, do, do whatever he says. Let's make it personal. And Jesus is all about change now. It's, 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 it's on. It's the first sign. It's, it's the first simia. The first simia is okay. If the first simia, the first miracle, the first sign is changed, then maybe once we become personal, the Lord wants us to change. Again, I ain't talking about the church. Church has tried to change people for 2,000 years. You can't wear that. You can't go see that movie. You can't do that. We, we, we got a list when we got saved, didn't we? Here's all the things you can't do. Well, what can I do? Dear Lord, I was having a whole lot more fun this way. I didn't think I was going to get penalized. No, now, now you're a free creature in Christ Jesus. Now you have the authority of the Word of God. Now you have, you're a joint heir of Christ Jesus. Now you have the authority that greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Now you can go to the throne room of grace. You can talk to Jesus and he'll talk to his Father. Now if someone's sick, you can say, Father, by your name, would you heal them in Jesus' name? Now you have the power that follows those who follow the person. See, so many people looking for the power, but they don't want the person. And when you walk through the person, it ain't, it ain't just about the power. Now it's about the change because you're okay saying, I am who I am by the grace of God. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15. I am who I am by the grace of God. But, Father, I know there's probably some change in me that needs to take place. And trust me, whether you've served the Lord four years, four months, or 40 years, there is going to be change that needs to take place. We are all a changing vessel. And he sees the water, and he pulls the water out, and now it becomes wine. And that leads us to point number three. Why did you save the best, our best? The change, the missional change that Jesus has is about our becoming our best. Why did you save the best for last? In fact, he says it right there in, in the uh, 10th verse. You kept the good wine until now. But you have kept the good wine until now. And so for those of you who maybe have think your life was just a waste or your life was no good or, or, you, or you're, not, you're too old to work or you're too young to work or you don't, you don't know enough about God to work or you don't know enough about this or I, you're, you have questions that's swirling in your head. Why did you leave the best till now? And this is why I think it truly was wine. It was water and now it's wine. In the seven-day marriage feast, they would give you the good wine first and then the, the attendees would get a little drunk on that and then they would break out the Boone's Farm. Now I know the drinkers. <laughs> They'd break out the Boone's Farm, and the Boone's Farm would, would be a lesser quality wine, and they would feed that to them. Well, when Jesus, don't you know what Jesus does? He's going to do it great. Whatever he puts his mind to, whatever he puts his hands to, whatever he puts his heart to, whatever he puts his word to, he's going to do it with authority. It's like, like, no, hey, I don't really like that, that type of wine. Jesus makes it, and they say, wait a second, you have saved the best for last. This is what he's doing with you because Peter confirms it out of Joel at the day of Pentecost. He says, wait a second, this is the latter rain and the former rain together. This is this what is coming down right now is God saying, Welcome, friends. You are my artistry. I am signing off on you. You have authenticating everything that you're about to do because you are a precious treasure to me. I looked up to see what the most expensive bottle of wine ever sold for. I was amazed that it sold for $558,000. A bottle of wine. I mean, who's going to drink it, right? So it looks good on the shelf. So then I thought, well, 
you know, we buy bottled water at the house, and it's probably 25 cents a, a bottle. And I thought, well, I wonder what the most expensive bottle of water ever sold for. I was amazed when I found out it was $60,000. But it came in a 24-karat gold bottle. You were really buying the bottle. You weren't really buying the water inside. The other one, you're buying the wine. You're not necessarily buying the bottle. And I, I, in my thought process, I'm thinking, God is taking us from water to wine, and out of our bellies shall flow, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. It doesn't, it's not that he doesn't like water, because water represents life, but the wine represents a good life. The wine represents the life that God wants you to have. It's like I might be existing right now, and I might be even existing good. I mean, I'm not going to knock some people in the world who maybe aren't Christ followers. They seemingly have a, a good life. Like they have that $60,000 bottle of water, but God has a 558000 bottle of wine for you that he says this is your best life. This is what we have right now. And listen, best life doesn't mean multiple houses or, or multiple cars. It doesn't mean multiple things. It doesn't mean a lot of stuff. I, I have a... a I have a brother-in-law, great guy, love him to pieces, buried two grandchildren, had a leg amputated. Three times a week, his wife has to take him to dialysis, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, six, six o'clock in the morning till 10. They had to downsize their house because of medical bills and all those things. But for the last 10 years, was on life support. Took him off, didn't know if he'd make it or not. His wife called Janie, their sisters, and you got to pray. We don't know what's going to happen. The last 10 years, every time I've seen him, big old smile on his face. Just like, just like here's a guy who just loves God and is happy to be alive through numerous heartaches, through, through, through much pain, has a smile on his face and says, I guess inside, and I'm just happy to be alive. Now, some people would say, that, that's not your best life. No, you... You're overriding the person with power. When the person has a relationship with Jesus, there is a storm that the devil in hell can throw at them that they don't come out with a smile on their face because whatever the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around and make good come out of it. This is, this is the God that we serve. This is when you make God personal through Jesus, and you say, Lord, I just want to change. Just change me from the inside out. Just, just let me walk through this. And all of a sudden, your best life may not be the life that you described for yourself. May not, may not be the one you wrote down. That picture maybe didn't start out that way, that ends up that way. But all of a sudden, it becomes a masterpiece. Why? Because through one person's suffering, God is glorified. And that, that sign that Jesus did, that simia, the simia that Jesus did was this, so that the disciples would believe and so that God would be glorified through it. So whenever you go through something in your life, as long as it brings God to glory, all you have to do is stand up and throw your hands up and say, praise God. God, thank you for using me for your glory. Thank you for authenticating me that I can walk through that. 
Well, do you believe you can have your best life? I believe God, you can have your best life. I believe God's got things for you. But if you center on the things and not on God, you fall into the trap. God's not real. He doesn't care. He's not there. He's real. He cares, and he's there. Bow your heads for just a second. Close your eyes. Maybe this message preached to you. I hope it did. Three things I want you to think about. One, would you consider making God personal if you haven't already? Or if you had a long time ago, and you say, man, I need to get in that personal relationship. I got to stop being roommates with Jesus. I need to start seeing him face to face, heart to heart again. Two, if there's anything that needs to be changed in you, why not ask God to change it? It's only for your betterment. He created you. He knows you. Why not just ask him to, to change things? And three, if you need something in your life just to become better, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's whatever it is. You just need something to become better. If, if one of those three things speaks to you, I want you to stand right now. And again, it doesn't have to be sin. It just say, hey, I, I, just need a, I just need this thing to become a little bit better. I just need a, I need a better job. I need a better relationship. I need I need to walk. I need or I need to be changed. Or I need to know Jesus personally. Or I need to I need to I need I need to change my behavior patterns, my walk. I just need to praise God. I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna sing a really cool song for the first time, water into wine. After I pray, I want you just to see the words, hear the words, sing the song and say, Yeah, that's me. Lord, I need to make you personal. Lord, I need change in my life. If you're going to change water into wine, that's got to be a symbol that you can take this vessel and you can make something out of it. God, I want that something to be your signature, your authority. I want you to authenticate it. I don't care who else authenticates me. Lord, as long as you do. So, Father, I pray for those standing today. I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would authenticate them, Lord, through change, through person, or through, through what they need to be better at or what needs to be better in their life. I pray and I speak to those who are watching online. Lord God, as they make, the, make it personal with you, Lord, as they, as they seek to change whatever might need to be changed, if anything, Lord, that you would continue to make that, that artwork in them increases in value over time as it matures. Lord, let their value increase in the kingdom of God. Let that, let that maturity take place. Now I'm going to ask the rest of you to stand. If everybody's comfortable, just raise your hands up. Let's sing the song together. God bless you. We love you.
Amen. How many of you received that message this morning? What a powerful word. Amen. Amen. Are you grateful that we have a God that can turn water into wine? Amen. He can turn your poverty into prosperity. He can turn your fear into faith. He can turn your hopelessness into a hopeful situation. Amen. Amen. So whatever it is that you need this morning, let's just put our faith and our hope and our trust in God. Let's present ourselves to him even now and just ask him to take care of the situation. And most importantly, seeking him as a person, not just what he can do for us, but to seek the presence of God. Amen. Father, we just thank you for who you are, not just what you can do. God, we thank you that you are powerful. We thank you that you can heal. We thank you that you can set free, that you can restore, you can deliver. God, we thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. God, but we thank you even now for who you are, that you are righteous, that you are healer, that you are savior. God, that you are soon coming King. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Son of God and that you are love and that you are life. Father God, and that you are hope. God, so we just look to you right now and we put our hope and we put our life in you and in your hands this morning, God. And we ask that you would have your way in our lives, God, as we surrender our lives to your plan, as we surrender who we are to who you are, God. We ask that you'd have your way, that you would empower each person here, that you'd bless each one whatever situation they're in right now. Father God, that you would turn it around, cause good to come out of it. And we thank you even in advance for the testimonies that we're going to see. We pray all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday.